Hello, you have stumbled onto another episode of Get Your Fill, Financial Independence and Long Life, where we normally explore ways to achieve those two goals. This week, though, we have a special treat. We are continuing our series on racism in America with our esteemed panel of black Americans who are generously sharing their experiences and wisdom. We don't have as big a panel as we had last week, so you should absolutely go back and listen to episode 40. But we do have Sarah Cravetti, who is a world-class pastry chef who delights Boston area palates with her desserts that are as beautiful as they are delicious. You can see her recipe for Baked Alaska and a link to her Instagram page where you see a sample of her unbelievable cake decorating skills like the Tower of Sugar Power. (laughs) I asked Sarah to join the panel because she was adopted and raised by white parents in a very mixed race household, so I thought she'd have an interesting perspective to share. Jay Lucky Henry is a Boston area real estate agent who you may have met in episode 25. If you didn't listen to episode 25, you have got to go back and get that because Jay Lucky is fantastic, interesting, really up and coming. I don't know. I Every time I listen to him, I feel like, oh, crap, I should be doing a lot more with my real estate business. But he was raised in the Caribbean and returned to Boston as a young adult. So again, thought he might have a little different perspective because of that. And Wyman Winbush is a speaker, a trainer, and a life coach. And as impressive as that is, it doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of his many accomplishments. And actually, even though I've known Wyman for several years now, every time I talk to him, I learn something new about him. He's a very multifaceted person. Uh, If you visit getyourfillpodcast.com, you'll find links to Wyman's website as well as links to resources for all of our guests today and to a lot of the people and topics that we discuss. But I urge you, if you have any interest in seeing a unified America where everyone can live fairly and equally and happily, to please check out episode 40 where this conversation began. So Sarah, you were, you were a point, um, you had a point about the school systems I think someone someone mentioned about the school. I think it was Kimberly mentioned about the school systems no longer just being based off taxes, or maybe it was you. I don't know who. She that had said that that's okay. don't, we can't keep doing that. That's you know yeah, we can't keep doing that. And um, you talked about gentrification a little bit, right? Yes. Yeah. So I I live in JP, so we're neighbors, right? Oh, right so there. right, you experience, you're okay. seeing it for sure. I, it, it's on the street. It's on the street. Yes. Like, you go oh. One block, Center Street. You go from, and this is not a knock against any whole chain not that i care because i don't know but you have stop and shop on one end right and you have whole foods on the other end as you get closer to the whole foods the houses are a little nicer as you go closer to the stop and shop it's apartments for rent triple deck mind you mm-hmm. right it's a but and the beauty of it is it's the same thing they're triple deckers next to stop and shop and they're triple deckers next to whole foods but next to whole foods they're condominiums right next right. to stop and shop they're apartments for rent and mm-hmm. the person that owns it and this is oversimplified but you get young you get young 20 something year olds in those condos and their parents own the apartment building down the street that's before their grandparents own the apartment building down the street being rented out to the to the young families of color right mm. and i look at like i used to live in lawrence when i went to merrimack college i yeah. look at lawrence and i talk to my friends in lawrence about real estate and i say look you this right now the game is set up tax dollars make the school good should we change that yeah we should but if we can't change that at the moment right for the, for the five years it might take to change that Right. Let's start to put 
our tax dollars to work appropriately. If if there's only one building, right, one apartment building with four, let's say it's got 10 units in it, that's one building paying tax, one owner paying tax, versus if you convert that and it's just paperwork to turn those into condos, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to renovate anything. All you got to do is change the paperwork, right? And mm-hmm. now there's 10 condos. Now you got 10 condos paying taxes. You got 10 people in the community building wealth, right? Mm-hmm. By, and then now you're starting to change the school system. Now you're starting to have a, vo- a voice because you own property in there and mm-hmm. you're deciding where your dollars go. And mm-hmm. I, it's those small changes in the education. It's like a cycle catch 22 cycle because we don't have the education because we don't have the money to make the education better and then we don't have the money so like yeah. it never it, it ends and i think it ends and it starts though with real estate and yes i'm in real estate christine's in real estate right so and um i don't know what you guys do for profession but i partly got into real estate because i started to understand that and i said look i really got to understand how real estate works so that whatever my kids in the future i don't even have kids yet but whatever they decide they want to go after they're going to, I'm going to make sure they understand how real estate works and real estate controls this mm-hmm. entire real estate and racism. The two R's that control mm-hmm. this entire country to me, because that's why they took the land from the natives, right? Because once they had the land, once that you gave them power. You that's control all. the resources. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like the biggest educational thing we have to get to our people, like if I had three things that black people in America need to understand, we need to understand real estate. We need to understand the laws, right? Because the, the racism is built into the laws. So we have to understand those laws so we can, we know which ones to change to make sure we have the rights we need yeah. to have as people, right? And then we need to make sure we understand how real estate works because that controls everything else. Yeah. yeah. And land ownership's always been huge. I mean, all the wars in the world, right, have been fought for real estate. And mm-hmm. we didn't get to the actual solving of the problem. We got to the identifying oh, the, the history of the those problem. Are my, those are my two tips. Like, if we could forget <laughs> hell now. But it's really I'll true. But that's, mm-hmm. I, I want to be, I, I played a little bit of a devil's advocate though, because I mean, it, it seems like I, so I was brought up, I, I mean, from a poor family. We didn't have, you know, I had to learn about real estate on my own as well. Just like you, Lucky, you, you, you say, gee, look at this. You know, it took me a while to figure out, hey, if I want to get anything, if I want to be somebody, if I want to have a life, I'm going to need to figure out these specific things. And I guess I feel like maybe the enemy is, there are two enemies. If you want to have good guys and bad guys, there's the people who, are, who are already have things that are working really hard to keep them by, you know, keeping other people from getting them, right? They're, they're hoarding, they're, they're making laws, they're doing things. But, but then there's another whole group, which I think maybe is, is more of us, you know, us being, you know, white people, where we just don't have a clue that all this other stuff is going on because we're not part of the, you know, the hoarding of the huge resources. We don't have money, we don't have land, we don't have anything, but we're also not aware of all the things that are being done to keep other people from having those things. So when we, you know, like what it's taken me, okay, I'm 50. What am I say? 50. Let's say I'm 57. I think that's right. (laughs) I might only be 56. I'm not sure. Anyway, I can't do math right now. Um, It's taken me this long to figure out how different our experiences are. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I, I thought it was good that I was, you know, colorblind. I thought it was good that I just thought everybody was the same. And I was educated to be told, you know, I was 
then educated by, by friends, by other folks to say, no, it's not, that's not good. It's not good for you to say, oh, everybody's the same because that you're, you're diminishing the, 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 real, the situation that we're in. You're diminishing our experience of the world. So that's why I wanted to invite you all here because I'm educating myself and hopefully educating some other people as well. People who are not part of the, you know, trying to keep your kids from going to a decent school. People who are just completely clueless about what, what's actually going on. So what was my point for all this? Um, I'm it, not sounds sure. like, it sounds like the, it's the, the person you're describing, right? Or saying that you might've been sounds like the type of person who says, well, I'm white and I didn't have any privilege so what is this white privilege you speak of, right? And to to my brother's point, how do you say your name, Wyman. Wyman. He's Wyman. 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 Right? Yeah, he's, his name on this thing is all mixed up. because. <laughs> yeah, I, would say, I didn't know what that was, man. Um, uh, yeah, that's, point, yes. <laughs> we need, like, we need education. He has, um, whoever has the most facts wins. We need to educate all of us on how to dismantle those arguments that are nonsensical, but if you don't know that they're nonsensical, you start to believe in it, right? Because it's like when you're a kid, you hear a fairy tale. It's completely nonsensical, but you believe in it because that's what, that's what the person's telling you. And you're like, you have no other facts to prove it wrong. So we need to make sure we say that. Like when, when I see people make that argument, I'm white, I've had hardships, whatever. The best explanation I've ever seen of white privilege is simple. It's that you may have hardships and the hardships you have are real and no one takes those away from you. But none of those hardships came because of the color of your skin, right? And when you say it that simple, it's impossible to refute, right? They, they, they can think, if they're a logical person, they can think through their mind and realize that any hardship they face, none of it, none of it was in America was caused because they're white. It was caused for some other reason. While a person of color, a black person, would have all the same hardships. And then if both people take the same action, that black person still may face a slowdown, right, because of the color of their skin. Yeah, and lucky. the other thing is you... Um if you were in an era where you could, as I mentioned, go to any school you wanted to, go to any restaurant you wanted to, buy real estate in any neighborhood you wanted to, mm. that's privilege. Yep. There's a, there's a videotape. If you look it up uh, on YouTube, it's called um, I'm White, I'm Free, and I'm 21. Mm. All right. So it, go, it, it lists about 14 or 15 clips from Hollywood movies back in the era where that was in the script because that was the mindset of the day, right? And so even though you may not have been quote unquote wealthy or in the decision makers, privilege allowed you to benefit from the rules of the day, okay? And so you're an advantage, you, you were able to take advantage of it. So privilege does not have anything to do with one's bank account right that's the thing and when you say this you got to say it hey i'm not telling you this to to make you feel guilty or shame that's not what this is about i just want to you know like the kids say i just want to drop some knowledge on you so you'll understand mm. right the the basis from where my perspective because we see life and hear life through the lens of our experience so that's why I'm not mad at Drew Brees. He was being honest and sincere. Because right. his experience didn't include having to worry about which towns in Florida you would never get caught in after sundown. To this day. 
right? Um, Dylan Ruth shoots a mass murder, shoots nine people in a church. The police arrest him. He complains about being hungry. They took him by Burger King before they booked him. And, and that most white Americans, don't, they don't know that. Would that have happened to an African-American child? A mass murderer? Absolutely not. So even a mass murderer still takes advantage of white privilege. Mm. About right now, I'll be looking for some amens in the church, but I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm, you're with, <laughs> you're true. right. But they, 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 that will be that few, and I, I say that will be that few. I watch social media a lot, man. I'm on Facebook a lot, and especially these days, watching how people react to these examples, right? Because that, that is a, a, what we call a meme, right? That, there's a picture of him, right? And they, they, they explain that, and it gets shared by some people. And I watch people defend it by saying, that's not white people. That's a white person that did that, right? That, that one individual cop decided that, and he, that cop doesn't represent all of us. And, then I, and that exact rhetoric I've also seen used when someone said, you're asking for us to protest peacefully, but you shot, and you use MLK as an example, but you shot MLK for peacefully protesting. And then the rhetoric is used again. White people didn't shoot MLK. A white person shot MLK. So wait, what, what, I, what I talk to some people about, and we, we get into it, right? Some young black people, we're, we're talking about, you know, what this change looks like. And we often argue about, because I look at it and I say, you have, if you're going to put the rhetoric out there, it has to be something that the lowest common denominator can't even refute because right. that if you leave any room for it there they will they will make nonsensical arguments like that and then run with that it needs to be something that in even there that their white friends who may have a little bit of common sense looks at it and says if you disagree with that i have no choice but to really understand that you are dumb and or racist and i have to disassociate with that but right. if you give a little if you leave a little bit of room that the ignorant person can make an ignorant statement like white people didn't shoot him, that was one white person, then you, you leave room for that neutral person yeah. to say, well, it's comfy here. There's no need to move yet, mm -hmm. right? It's not that bad yet. And we right. have to be really intentional about that. Yeah. I just posted something. In fact, uh, Christian, I, I posted on NSA, uh, a defensive ear cannot hear. A mm -hmm. defensive ear cannot hear the truth. Right? A defensive eye cannot see sunlight, even when you turn the lights on, they're still in the dark. And mm -hmm. so those people that you're talking about, uh, Lucky, you know, they're not listening to understand you. They're, they're listening just enough so they can defend their position. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in the absence of uh, real facts, they'll try to use a global argument, right? And mm -hmm. so when you hear that, this is when you know you're, you're uh, having a dialogue with a fool and you just need to disengage because you don't need to cast your pearls amongst the swine. It's a waste of time. Mm -hmm. It's like um, when you look at um, the Iranians in their formal schools, they're taught that the Holocaust did not happen. So if I get into a conversation, yeah, I'm a Dinajad and all those guys, they, they don't believe, they, they are taught that it did not happen. So when I get in a conversation with them about the Holocaust and that, aspect of their training comes in the conversation's over i'm not wasting my breath that's what that's what ioni is saying right i hey mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you if you argue with a fool you're a bigger fool than they are yep so ioni 
I hear you and Ioni's point. I agree with, right? And then, and at the same time, I challenge among us as black people, right? Because I, I look at it as from strictly a problem-solving situation. I'm trying to figure out there's a problem. What do we do with it? I see two routes, right? Black people in America can say we are our own people. We are like we are a our own group within America. From that, in theory, right? Just go with mm-hmm. this for a second. In mm-hmm. theory, Maryland, Baltimore, like that's ours now. Like that whole like that's mm-hmm. us. That's the Republic of Black America, and we're here. But don't mess with us. That's us. Like we're gonna have our own laws, our own constitution. We're our own people. We just coexist on this land, like Haiti and Santo Domingo, right? We are two separate countries on this land now and leave us alone or we are american like we are equally as american and you're going to give us that equalness as american and the reason i say that because if we the reason you have to not argue but you have to convince that quote-unquote fool is because how many of those quote-unquote fools are there in america right because there's an i'll tell you how many there are there's enough to vote for the current system that we have to stay in place there's enough of them um, in this country for the two candidates that we have going for presidency to be the two candidates that we have going for presidency, right? So if, if there's, like, in our circles, we all seem to be educated people. There might not be that many of them in our circles, but that's our own echo chamber. We don't know how many of them actually live in this country with us. So we have to be able to communicate effectively with them yeah. and place logic on them. Otherwise, they will outnumber us when it comes time to vote, and right. we, our, our candidates won't make it. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't. I don't think the two, at least from from my perspective, saying that are, are, are opposed. Right. All I'm saying is, what Christine was saying. Hey, uh, I'm colorblind. I, I don't want you to be colorblind. I want you to see my my blackness, my melanated skin, and still appreciate me for who I am. Right. right? I don't want you to look past that because God gave it to me. I'm I'm, I'm proud of it. Right? It's part of me. It's, it's exactly. part of what makes me me. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So um, I don't want you to love me or like me because of what I do or what I can do for you. I want you to love me, like me because of who I am. Right. In my totality of my ethnicity and all of that stuff. Right. And so um, what I'm saying is don't waste the time on the fool because there's another person who's not a fool who hasn't here to listen. Okay. I, I, I want to my, my time is precious. Right. So I'm going to lend my voice and my perspective and my analogies to folks who do get it and who do want to understand and who are not listening with a defensive ear. They're not looking to defend, you know, decades of systemic racism or decades of white privilege. They're under that. They're willing to listen to understand how they were advantaged by it and not walk away with a guilt trip or feeling, you know, guilty or shame but really appreciate my perspective, which they will now incorporate into their perspective going forward. There are a number of people out there. You can't put all people in the same box. Otherwise, we turn around and do the same thing to white folks that they've done for us, right? So I tell people, I'm just one black man. I can't speak of all of black of America, but here's my perspective, right? And I give it to you and like that, right? And I'll treat everyone as an individual. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. You, you, we, we, sure. we got to use our platform, whatever our platform, whatever our sphere of influence is, mm. to educate and inform mm. both whites and blacks. 
right? The young brothers and sisters, right? Young understand what economic empowerment is. Man, let me tell you something. Um, and I use this as an example, like even talk about investment and, and being smart. If, if you heard in, in, in the greater Boston area that the, um, the, the big sports retailer there had 40% off on all Nike Air Jordans, 40% off, doors open at 8 a.m., there would be a crowd wrapped around the building. When the stock market was 40% off in March, crickets. Crickets. Yeah. Every stock in Wall Street was 40% off because- Why is that? Why is that? Just information, knowledge, exactly. right? Exactly. And so that's what I'm saying. That's why we got to use our platform Right. And, and, uh, and Christine's heard me say this before. A lot of us are addicted to Starbucks or a Happy Meal. Five bucks. You can't get through the line without dropping five bucks. Five bucks a day invested in an index fund in the stock market over a 30 year career will have you a quarter of a million dollars. A quarter of a million dollars. Right. Which is six, seven, ten times as much as the average American retires with. Ten dollars a day. I have you over a half a million dollars. Right. And so I tell people, young people, if you can't figure this out, and if I see you in 30 years from now when they're just starting and you're not a millionaire, that's on you. Because I just gave you the analogy. Right. It's not whether you can. It's will. It's are you willing to do what's necessary? So not only do I inform them, but I challenge them to take action. Mm-hmm. Right. I tell them this is on you. This ain't on Uncle Sam. Can't nobody. And by the way. If you knew that's true, I would get a part-time job just to be able to drop 150 bucks a month into an index fund. If I can have a half a million dollars waiting on me and in, in 30 years when I retire, right? I mean, just think about it. And you ask me, does that make sense? They can't help but to say yes. Mm-hmm. Are you able to do this? They can't help but to say yes. Mm-hmm. And when I get down, are you willing to do what's necessary to have this in your pocket when you get to be uh, 55 or 60? And then they get silent because that's where self-accountability comes in. And at the end of the day, this is where we got to go, right? It's not what they can do to us, but what we're willing to do for ourselves in spite of them. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's raining, I put on a raincoat and go about my business. Okay. Right? Before I go, Sarah, I want to hear what you have to say on this, and then I got to hop off on this one too. Yeah, I've got to go as well. Sarah, come on, help us out. <laughs> no, I I agree. I feel like you have to, it's sort of like finding the open door where you can stick your foot in and keep working so you can pry that door open. It's finding the open ear. Like you said, if there's this person who is willing to talk to me, I, I'm going to do what I can to convince this person. I hate that. It feels like I'm trying to convince somebody of... Mm-hmm my worth in in your world that's supposed to be our world but at least then that person will turn around and then hopefully in a conversation you know spread the word so to speak but at the same time it's too irresistible to not confront what we'll call the ignorance in the moment face to face or screen to screen when it hits you so viscerally yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's 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 really hard, but 
we are going to, we tire ourselves out. I've seen so many people say how exhausted they are. You ask a black person, how, how are you doing? Exhausted. I'm emotionally exhausted. I'm physically yeah. exhausted. Yeah. yeah. I think I'll leave you guys with this. I'm, uh, I think uh, I agree with, agree with you. Ain't no sense in arguing with them. And I agree with your other point is if we can just drop the nuggets on them and leave them, right? Hit them with the truth. Let someone bear witness to it. So that way, even if they argue with it, right? You're not arguing anymore. You're done. Especially if on a screen, it's easy to do that. You type your sentence yeah. and you leave, right? You leave the chat room. Just leave that there. Leave the and if there's one arguing about it, you, I've, and this is serious. I've seen it. I dropped it. I dropped that white privilege token or I dropped whatever my little defense is. And I watch other white people start to say, well, you know what? He's right. Like that, that's it. And I just let them handle it from there. But I make sure yeah. that at least it's like, it's like um, a, a, a toy car, right? going down like a, uh, one of your tracks or whatever and just a little off track you just give a little tap to the left just get it right on get yeah, it on the right track, track. You, you let it mm-hmm. do its thing right yeah. it's going and going you just give it a little tap that's all i'm that's all i'm doing with them and then i get out the way yeah. that i'm handling hey lucky what you're just saying is watch this profound truth will defend itself yeah just i guess so profound truth <laughs> will defend mm-hmm. itself and there's so much at stake that as far as your yet unborn children, family that you're going to have, there's so much at stake. We can't afford to get tired. Right. That's just like saying, I'm tired of breathing. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get tired of breathing because mm-hmm. I got things to do. I need breath to do it's it. stuff to do. Right. Yep. And so um, we have the ability to change the world one post at a time, one conversation at a time. And because we have the, perspective in order to articulate those profound truths mm-hmm. because God has blessed us and able to articulate that. Mm-hmm. All right. It's a gift. Our gift back to him is to not put it on the shelf, right. but it put it where people can use it to change their lives and the lives of those who come behind us. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. I didn't experience racism then the way I experienced it as an adult. There were very few small incidents that I um, never would have connected. I think that there were enough, few, so few black people that everyone knew them. So there was no fear of of this black person because you know who this person is, you know their parents, they sit next to you in school, you, yeah. you kind of yeah. know them. So it, I think there was um, a, a difference there. And then to come in, to go to college in Boston and realize that there's a whole other world out there, um, being told by black people, I'm not black enough and knowing I'm not white, you know, there's, there's this, I guess it's a yeah. dichotomy, uh, you know, in, in my life. Yeah. Um, and having not, I think this is a big argument against um, white people adopting black children, which for, for the record, I think is fine. Um, <laughs> but there is the argument that they might not be taught their history. They might not be taught, um, yeah. you know, to, to honor and cherish their blackness. Um, but as I've grown, I've been able to do that. And not to say that my parents didn't honor my blackness, um, my father was from Ghana, and one of my fondest memories, actually, is of my mother reading to me a newspaper article about the fishermen in Ghana who were 
this is a fond memory of the fishermen in Ghana who were starving because the tuna population was sweeping up every fish. The tuna fishermen were sweeping up every fish and these families couldn't uh, survive. But she was giving me a connection to, you know, to, to mm. let, let helping me know that I was part of something else, something bigger. Mm. Um, and, but nonetheless, still, I know that I am... I need to learn from my from my black brothers and sisters, and so this was a wonderful opportunity to do that. Um, honestly, my daughter going to college has taught me so much. You know, I've learned. She's a little. Uh, <laughs> she she says, "Tear the whole system down, start over. We can't <laughs> tear it down." You know. Well, you know, it's hard. I think for everyone, mm-hmm. is is that. In order to understand, you have to understand that there is like this big conspiracy. And I think that's yes. why it's hard for white people who aren't part of the conspiracy. Yes. Because you really have to say like, you know, like think about the Holocaust. Like you have to be able to grasp the fact that a whole country tried mm-hmm. to annihilate a whole part of their population. And right. that's big to get your brain around that. Yes. And uh, like Wyman said, that there's a, a whole country of people who were taught that specifically did not happen. We only believe it because we were taught it in school by people right. in authority who told us this was true, who made us read books and, and uh, biographies and um, memoirs of people yeah. who lived it. Yeah. Um, and so for a, a whole segment of our population to not have experienced what the black people are experiencing, or like you said, you're not part of this conspiracy. How can we understand? And the only thing I kind of think of um, is when, you know, like Brett Kavanaugh was being confirmed and we just finally said, listen, a woman says this happened, believe her. And that's how I feel about this. At some point, you just have to believe it. You have to, we're all saying this happened. You have to kind of believe it. You have to <laughs> take that leap, take, take yeah, the, well, accept not, it. Yeah. And it's not like a credibility issue. It's just that it requires that you um, admit something about yourself or about your um, race or whatever that's, right. that's uncomfortable, that's unpleasant. Yes, because we, we do, we identify with a, a larger group. And if you're going to say that my group is this terrible thing, that I don't, I don't want to believe that. You know, I don't right. want to be part of that, whether I literally am specifically today or not. Yeah, it's completely understandable. Um, and at the same time, sometimes I sort of think about how historically maybe a poor white person can feel like, well, at least I'm not black. You, you know, there would be, <laughs> I'm a, there's always something, yeah. So I can, I have that to lean on anyway, at least, at least right, that didn't happen. At least, not, at least if, if, if my, if my gets better and I can get out there and get a job, I can get a job, you know, or whatever the, the issue is, you know. Um, and I think there is, I don't want to say a pleasure, but there, I've always wondered if there might be sort of a level of, of relief for the, the poor white community and that there is, they're, they're not the, I don't want to say bottom of the barrel, but do you know what I'm, I'm trying to I say? I do, I do. Yes, yeah. And, and I think, you know, there, I've actually seen a very ugly sort of superiority in, mm-hmm. in a very poor, 
you know, like what we call white trash kind of a family where they have that kind of superiority and that they would look down on, you know, a family of color or an immigrant family or something like that because, yeah, because they're not, you know, almost like, you know, this is a terrible analogy and it's probably very insulting, but it just popped into my head. It's like, you know, someone who has, who struggles with a weight problem, see someone heavier than them. And they say, oh, well, you know, I'm not that bad. I'm not not that far gone. Yeah. Yeah. But I I wish I, I I don't know, you know, I always, you know, you don't want to say the wrong thing and be offensive. You know, you want to be loving and, and, and stuff. But I, I also wonder, you know, how do you feel that any of the problems that folks are struggling with are, so there's this thing that happens in corporate America mm-hmm. where, you know, a man will help another man to get ahead. Mm-hmm. But when a woman gets in a position of power, she's much more competitive and much less likely to help another woman get ahead. Yes. Yeah. And so I wonder if some of that also happens, like, you know, you, you start off in a disadvantaged situation and then you, you make yourself, you make good, you know, you make good, you, you go to, yes. you're able to get a college yeah. or you, you know, create, you invent something, you do something to get yourself out of that. And then you leave right. and, yes. and say, Oh, thank God I'm out of that situation. Rather right. than coming back and saying, I want to teach my neighbors right. and my friends how I did this and let, teach them about the stock market and teach them about real estate and teach them about things that will help them to also mm-hmm. better themselves. Well, um, sort of uh, a black man or woman going to college and becoming a big executive in a big company and going to live in a big house in Weston. Why not buy your big house in Roxbury and be with right. the, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, well, there become is, a role model to become, become a right model. stay here become a role model yeah. there is in a, i can't remember who it was if it was cornell west or henry lewis gates um who had in one of his his books had written about um you you now you turn around and you help up the people behind you you help the people coming behind you yeah. come up the ladder you help them um and I'm not sure that that's something the black community has always been the best at. I personally think it's because we're each trying to survive on, on our, in our individual stressful little, and I don't want to say hell because it's, you know, but you're in your own little stressful bubble, trying to live your life, trying to survive, trying to not become exhausted by the life that, that you're living. So, you know, maybe that doesn't happen as often as it should. Sometimes once you get to be the black person who is, who is there, maybe you don't want this other black person to bring you down. You you know what I mean? Um, You don't, you know, I'm not like this person. I'm not like that person. There's there, there, I'm sure there's always an element of, of that in any sort of segment of, of the population. I've always wondered, sort of, I've lamented the fact that we haven't yet been able to lift our whole selves up. But it's because there is something there pushing down on our whole, the whole, all all of us. Every time you go up a step, someone takes the next rung out of the ladder, you know. Um, And 
it's hard. You don't want to sound like, you know, I'm a complaining person and the world's against me. But now if we stop and think about it, that's what the, the America we've created is, you know. You know, what you were saying, you know, I was talking about women in, in corporate America, but I oh, think the yes. reason that that happens in corporate America is because, and I think it's maybe the same problem, yeah. is that you're not, you know, a woman isn't getting ahead. And this is a huge generalization, obviously, right, but, right. you know, a woman in corporate America has managed to claw her way to the top. She's, right. you know, she's at the glass ceiling or she's shattered it and she's really accomplished mm-hmm. something. She didn't do that so she could help up another woman. She did it so she could be more like a white man, right? Oh. So is that what's happening? Like you accomplish something, you become a millionaire and you want to go to Weston so you can be like a white person rather so, than going back and saying, I did this to raise up my whole the community. Whole, right. Um, I'm sure for some people, yes. Um, but I think sometimes there's the feeling of there's only room for one of us up here. You know, and I would suspect that's for for women too. You know, me working in a kitchen. So I'm the head pastry chef. Now they're not going to have a head, uh, a sous chef and executive chef woman. There's only room for one female lead in this, in this production, so to speak, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think there, there's an element of that for black America too. Once you get there, there was only room for one of us, but it's all, it's all changing now. Definitely. Definitely. But I, I think that's, that's a part of it. We didn't, maybe we didn't stop to think that there is room for all of us up here. Yeah. 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 Well, as I think it was lucky who was saying that, you know, you're not the minority. So why aren't you, you know, yeah. Why, why aren't the, why didn't the slaves take over the plantation? Why didn't the Jews kill the, you know, kill the, 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 yeah. Yeah. And you've got the power, you've got the numbers. this indoctrination is um, goes both ways. It's on both sides, and um, I kind of wonder if that's what Kanye was trying to say. He said some ridiculous thing about uh, black people being slaves for four hundred years. Why? Why were we slaves for four hundred years? You know, um, I, I wonder if he had some more gracious thing that he was trying to say. Um, but yeah, that indoctrination is is powerful. You know, obviously it's taken generations. Kimberly and I, when we first started talking about, you know, when I asked her about using the Zoom line and stuff, we were talking about the media and the role of the media. And and that gets into like implicit bias and how much brainwashing has been happening throughout all these years for everyone, not just for whites, but for blacks as well. Oh, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. About your own power and your own ability and your own beauty. I mean, there's some, I wish... I, I mean, I could find it. I haven't, didn't look for it ahead of time, but um, where a black child chose to play with a white doll because they right. thought it was yes. prettier, right? It was pretty, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what, where does that come from, right? I mean, that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, black children wanting yellow hair, you, you know? Um, one of my brothers, when he was in, in kindergarten, they were supposed to write, this is a very dated assignment about what they want their future husband or wife to be like. And she, my wife will have yellow hair and she will be very nice and cook dinner. Yeah. <laughs> you know? but, but, you know, us too, you know, we're supposed to be blonde. Like every woman, every, right, we're, we're all supposed to be blonde. And that's like, I mean, the Aryan <laughs> brotherhood. Yeah, you know? they did it. Yeah, they got us all. <laughs> yeah it's it's a very um 
I have noticed, that, you know, just in speaking with my daughter, that I have had a, a sort of a space of privilege in being lighter. While I was growing up in, you know, in high school and starting the dating thing, there was a point, uh, maybe later in high school, um, you know, I had never thought anyone would find me attractive. But then when people did start to see me attractive, it was like, well, what are, what are they after? What's going on here? And um, I assumed that the Latino guys liked me because I looked like a Latina girl. <laughs> and I assumed that white boys liked me because I was um, interesting or unique or, uh, you know, a, a fetish, you, you know, um, exotic. And black guys liked me because I was light, you know. And, um, and for years later, my daughter's going off to the prom and she said to me something about... Yeah, but the guys don't dance with the dark girls. And she goes to a school that's 50% black and 30% Latino, you know, she goes to a very mixed school. And it just dawned on me that this is still a thing where you, and she's a beautiful girl. I mean, I know all teenagers have that sort of, I'm not good enough. Um, but for her to be in the same, position where, well, I'm, I'm too dark. They don't dance with the dark girls. And I tried to have a conversation with her about it. And she said, you wouldn't understand because you're light. And I was like, oh, interesting. She thinks I have a, the advantage here. And meanwhile, it turned out we were both thinking the same thing, that when a guy likes us, it's because there's some sort of exotic thing about us that, that they're after, not be, you know, um, and, you know, there's a little sadness that I hadn't been able to prevent that for her or, or give, help her build the confidence to overcome that. But maybe it's because that is how society is. This is how the community has created and sustained ideals of beauty in, you know, both from both sides. That's yeah. there for everybody. And it's for everybody, partly right? that transition, right? Going from being a child to being an adult and your discomfort with your body and, you know, right. all the crap that's heaped on you from your parents. Mm -hmm. It's a yes, universal yes. thing, it's you know? Universal. Yeah. You're looking for what's different about you that they, why they don't like you. It's because of the thing that's it's different. An ulterior motive. This person has an ulterior motive, you know? Yes. There's always an ulterior motive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when yeah. I was... When I was introducing Kimley, you know, I was, I was feeling very uncomfortable because I was re reflecting back on the article that I had read that I mentioned in there where, you know, oh, don't tell us that we're like articulate and stuff. But the fact is that every single person on this call is much more well-educated and much more intelligent. Well, maybe not much more intelligent, but much more well-educated and well-read than I am. So when I say, when I introduce right. Kimley as being someone who's very, you know, in intelligent and articulate, it's not like, oh, that's a novelty because she's black. It's, right. that it's something yes. I respect yes. about her. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh God, if she takes us the wrong way. And I, like, I no. just got. Mm -hmm. Well, because we, <laughs> I think that we know in context and because you know her and she knows you um, and we're in a, a specific context where this is what you were looking for is some articulate, you know, a way, yeah, someone who, who can voice the opinion in a, in a clear and elegant way, I think, perhaps. Yeah, well, exactly. Maybe not elegant, but yes. Yeah. But who's not just going to get in here and go, you know, you suck, you know, you people, your whole, you, like someone right. who's going to yeah. actually have something to say beyond like the anger. Beyond and the, useful. Yeah. Something that could be helpful. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Something that might yeah. help people to enlarge their 
you know, mm-hmm. brains or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, it did, it did that for me for sure. I, I really appreciated it. And, um, it sort of reminded me that I have a stack of books of my daughters from her college classes that I still need to read. And I'm lucky to have them because apparently they've all sold out online. Oh. <laughs> Suddenly, because yes. racism is now the new, you know. Something happened. <laughs> yeah. So that, you know, that's exciting. Um, but that article you sent, it, every single one of those phrases, yes. And it is uh, just, something about those those phrases I don't know if it's because we hear them a lot or um but just there's a certain sound to them you know when when you hear those that is I don't know if it's it's disappointing it's depending who you're hearing it from you know it can be very disappointing to hear someone say that or um just brings brings feelings that you you know unnecessary yeah yeah so I I'm I'm definitely that article with people yeah, because it, I think a lot of people say things like that, like you're so articulate. They think they're being nice. They think they're um, giving you a compliment. You know, I have so many times people have asked me where I'm from and I say I'm from here. <laughs> oh, I thought I'd be from another country or I thought you might be from somewhere else because you the way you speak. And I was just like, it's very strange because I speak like everyone else from where I grew up yeah. you know? it wasn't it's not very far from here you know or um being grateful that my name is Sarah Elizabeth so I can get through that first uh you know pass through the resumes or you know I can get that phone or when I speak on the phone I sound you don't know what, what I am but um interesting I, I had yeah. a client who was um who's Asian and she said, oh, people always ask me where I'm from. Yeah. And, and she finds it offensive. And I said, well, tell them you're from Texas because that's where she grew that's, up. You know? yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, you know, I, I'm from, you know, the United States, right? United I'm, States. I'm one of you, you know, just because I'm Asian. Yeah. Hello, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. But, you know, you know yeah. well, I was just going to say one of the things that one of the things that she talks about is this thing. Oh, I wish I had the courage to wear my hair like that or whatever. Yes. Yeah. And, and I thought, well, people have said that to me when I let my hair go gray. Right. And yeah. clearly they have the ability to go gray, right? <laughs> yes. But they just don't have the courage. So I feel like, you know, that is actually a compliment because what they're really saying, they're not saying, oh, I wish I had black hair. They're, they're really saying, I wish I had the courage to be myself. To be myself. Well, um, hair is a big issue for black black women um so i rarely wear my hair loose because i often worry that it's intimidating that it or i'm going to present as a certain type of woman or you know like and and often it's 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 quite big if, if i let it dry now <laughs> you, you know like that person is very different from 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 this person or yeah. when I, I wear the twist yeah um i will be reacted to in a, in a very different way and so um it's kind of ironic that particular phrase because i do often have to feel brave to wear my hair like this because i'm taking on another layer of, of um maybe like 
I have another layer of fear, I guess you would say, when I go out into the world and, and I have my hair very, um, very natural and very African, you know, you know, um, it's funny yeah. that you say that yeah. because, you know, I, this is the first time I've seen you with your hair down and I oh, think it right. softens you a little bit. I think it's very oh, becoming. Oh, interesting. See, I would never have gone to a job interview with my hair like this or um, some of the jobs, some of the catering jobs that I do. I wouldn't because I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable or I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but why is that on me? Yeah. You know, um, yeah. That, but that sort of thing is not something I have thought about until, uh, you know, more recent times, you know, grow until, I guess you could say there's sort of two different parts of my life when I, I don't want to stay separated from my white family, but now I'm immersed in, I'm not some surrounded by the, by the white Italian American culture, you, you know, it's a whole, whole different world, you know, <laughs> and actually my daughter wrote her college essay about her afro there was one point when i don't know if she was a freshman or sophomore where she just started to wear an afro and um how just that one change is carries so much weight in this world you know how her hairstyle carries so much weight and uh, um is so i think people hair in general is very much personal attached to people's identity um but for her, where at one point wearing an afro was a unique and courageous thing, and you know, and then by the time you know she graduated high school, everyone's got an afro, and it's a, a, regu a regular thing, you know. <laughs> where mm -hmm. at first she had to like be brave, and you know what? I'm gonna be natural. I'm gonna wear my hair like this because uh, that's how I was born, and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. To then she's just like one person following a trend, you know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It, uh, it's interesting how it just can really uh, affect you. It is part of, yeah, you being you. Thank you, Sarah, Lucky, and Wyman for sharing your thoughts and wisdom. And thank you, listener, for being here and for allowing us to share. Be sure to visit GetYourPhilPodcast.com to learn more about today's guests. And join us next week where Sarah and I will continue the discussion. In the meantime, have a happy, healthy week and go out there and shine some love on someone who doesn't look anything like you. <laughs> <laughs>